want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. In today's episode, I will be discussing Joshua Sheets' framework for wealth building. This is a framework that Joshua Sheets has developed on his podcast and website for RadicalPersonalFinance.com. So a brief aside, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast and help me to continue creating great investing content, please consider becoming a patron at DIYinvesting.org slash patron. That's DIYinvesting.org slash P-A-T-R-O-N. My goal is to keep this podcast free of outside advertisements. In order to do that, I've decided upon a model that skips the middleman and allows me to receive support directly from you, the listener. My goal is to always provide value to you. Therefore, I have set up a membership program providing investment-based rewards to those who choose to become patrons of this show. I hope you'll check it out at DIYinvesting.org patron. Now let's dive right in. So again, I'm discussing Joshua Sheets' framework for wealth building. This is a framework that Joshua has developed on his podcast and has discussed on many times throughout his show. And I'd like to bring it to you because I've decided that I'm personally going to adopt Joshua Sheets' framework as the framework I use to present financial personal finance information, both here on the show and on my own website. And basically... The reason for doing this is that Joshua Sheets has a, has a profound skill at distilling information into clear, intuitive, and simple frameworks. And in this case, he's developed a framework specifically for what is needed to build wealth. And as the focus of this podcast is on investing your money and growing it for financial independence... I think that it's prudent to be aware of an overarching framework for wealth and how this podcast fits into your overall wealth building goals. So Joshua Sheets' framework has five points and is only 10 words long. And I think that's really key because it's going to be easy and simple for you to remember. I'm going to go through the individual points, and then after doing so, I'll dive deeply into each one to kind of give you an idea of how I think about it uh, over and beyond how Joshua thinks about it. Okay, so the, there's five points. The first point, increase income. The second point, decrease expenses. Third, invest wisely. Fourth, avoid catastrophe and fifth, optimize lifestyle. So when you listen to Josh talk about his framework and when you think about all the stuff that really is about personal finance in general, 
everything that you do in personal finance and everything that you do in seeking to build wealth can be captured in one of these five points. So you're either going to want to increase your income, decrease your expenses, invest your money wisely, or have some sort of risk management plan, and then you optimize your lifestyle. And all of those five points help you along your journey to building wealth. So again, the they're, they're very simple. Increase income, decrease expenses, invest wisely, avoid catastrophe, and optimize lifestyle. So let's talk first about increase income. This is probably the category that is, I would say, least talked about in some ways um, in personal finance. It's either this one or the last one, optimize lifestyle. But all too often, I see in the personal finance space, discussions of how to save money, how to decrease your expenses, and that there's a lot of focus on being frugal and saving money. And that's really our second point. But our first point, and really your starting point, should be um, increasing income. For a lot of people, the best thing they can do to improve their outlook for building wealth is to earn a higher income. If you're earning minimum wage, then the fastest way for you to build wealth is not to scrounge and decrease your expenses and try to save you know, a lot of money while you're on a minimum wage. Your first goal should be to get off minimum wage and to grow that income. If you can double your earnings from minimum wage of $7.25 and increase that up to $15 per hour, then you have a much greater capacity to build wealth when your income's in the $30,000 per year range instead of the $15,000 per year range. And again, those numbers are based upon a 2,000-hour work year. But obviously, that can fluctuate. You can have overtime and all sorts of other things. But basically... The idea is is if you're trying to increase your income, you're able to grow your ability to build wealth because, you know, if you're saving 10% of your income every year, then yes, you're going to save money and yes, your wealth will build, but it's going to build much faster if you're saving 10% on a $50,000 income than if you're saving 10% on a $20,000 income. Because although that $2,000 savings is important and it will grow and allow you to invest, it's not going to be nearly as impactful as saving approximately $5,000 a year and being able to max out an IRA, for instance. Or alternatively, if you're earning $50,000, which is around the median income of the United States, you know, if you can double that and make earn $100,000 a year, well, all of a sudden that 10% savings rate um, of 10000 a year is way more impactful and you're going to see improvement in your wealth building much faster. And you're also going to probably be able to leverage um, the amount that you're able to save. Because, you know, if you're saving 10% at a $50,000 income, you know, and for now, let's just ignore taxes, um, which are very important. But if you ignore taxes and think about you have $10,000 income, and you save 10% of that, then you're spending $45,000. Well, if you're spending $45,000 and you, you're able to save $5,000, that's great. But if you're able to double your income to $100,000, and again, ignoring taxes, well, you can then increase your savings 
from $5,000, potentially up to $55,000 per year, because now you have a a much bigger threshold between what your expenses were at $45,000 a year. And if you continue to keep the same level of expenses, you're able to grow your savings rate from 10% to over 50%. And so that's really the key that increasing income can give you. It allows you to leverage um, your growth of income into a disproportionate growth in savings rate. And this is really where I think um, people should focus, where if you can increase your income, even 10%, a lot of times you're going to see a much greater than 10% increase in your ability to save. As long as you don't try and keep up with the Joneses and, and increase your lifestyle um, commiserate with every increase in income. As long as you're trying to save your extra increases in income, this can allow you to move quickly from a lo- relatively low savings rate to a relatively high savings rate in a short period of time. So I think this is why there should definitely be a focus on increasing income. And, and when um, I'm going to make this, you know, I'm basically going to use this framework in my website and in my podcast to break down any discussions I have on personal finance. Um, And so increased income is going to be a subcategory under personal finance of stuff that I might produce talking about how increasing your income can be beneficial. Now, this podcast is still primarily just going to be an investing show, but every once in a while, um, you might get a a personal finance focused episode like the one today. So again, increased income is probably understated how impactful it is because quickly moving your income from $50,000 a year to $100,000 a year is going to have a massive influence on your ability to save, especially if you make the prudent decision um, not to increase your your expenses at the same time. So that brings us to the second point, which is decrease expenses. And again, I think decrease expenses gets a lot of coverage in the personal finance space. If you've listened to personal finance podcasts um, or read personal finance about personal finance online, quite often you're going to read about how you can decrease expenses, how you can be more frugal. Um, where you can save money on your house, save money on your car, save money on your clothing expenses, save money on your grocery expenses. And these are all very useful insights. They're very useful ways to understand that by decreasing your expenses, you're going to expedite your wealth building journey because the faster or the less money you're spending, the more money you're able to save. And when you're able to save more money, again, that's money that's going to be able to be invested. That's going to be that's money that's going to be able to grow and work for you. So that instead of having to earn your money by trading your time for money, and again, time is your most valuable resource. If you're able to save money by decreasing your expenses, then that money is able to work for you and help to earn you more money. Um, It's kind of working on your behalf, which is really the key of investing and everything that I talk about with investing. But one of the extra benefits for decreasing expenses, and this is where I'm going to bring taxes back into the discussion, 
is when you decrease expenses, you're saving after-tax money, which means that decreasing your expenses by a dollar might be similar to increasing your income by a dollar and 20 cents. Because to get the same dollar in savings, you're going to have to pay taxes on new earnings, but you don't have to pay taxes on reduced expenses. And this is critical because it means if your expenses are too high, they quite easily could be a limiting factor in your ability to save, especially if you do have the um, tendency to increase your expenses and go in the opposite direction when you get an increase in income. If you're increasing your expenses, not only are you hindering your wealth building journey, but you're drastically slowing it down because you could be taking the opportunity to decrease your expenses. Now, throughout this show and on my um, website, I'm probably not going to spend a lot of time discussing decreased expenses. If I gain a particular insight, I'll share it with you. But generally, I feel like decreased expenses as a category is very well covered in the personal finance space. I'm not an expert on you know, saving coupons for groceries or finding ways to scrounge out an extra dollar here or there. Um, So I'll defer to others who have that expertise. But I want to share this framework where decreased expenses is a key part of it because if you're not thinking through this idea in this manner, you might overlook the fact that by decreasing your expenses, you're able to gain that additional benefit of having to earn less money on the other end. Because not only do you earn, you know, not only by decreasing expenses, are you decreasing after-tax expenses, but you're also decreasing the amount of money that you need to earn and save and invest to achieve financial independence. For example, so if you have Um, if you are spending $50,000 per year as your annual expenses, and if we say that, you know, just using a general rule of thumb, you know, you have $50,000 per year and, you know, the general rule of thumb that's given is, you know, you need like a 4% withdrawal rate, um, for your investments, um, to be successful, um, in having being able to live off your investments. So at a 4% um, withdrawal rate, on a, you can cover a lifestyle of $50,000 in expenses by having a $1.25 million portfolio. Now, I do have some concerns with the 4% rule in itself, and I'll address that in a future podcast. But on a baseline, it's very useful because it's basically the withdrawal rate from a portfolio you can hope to make over a period of 20 or 30 years um, without running out of money. And so again, let's starting at that baseline, you have a $50,000 portfolio. It requires one point two or $50,000 in annual expenses can be covered by a $1.25 million portfolio. Now, what if you can decrease your expenses? 
Well, if you can decrease your expenses by just $10,000, so if you go from $50,000 in annual expenses to $40,000 in annual expenses, you're going to have $10,000 each year that you're able to save an additional money, you know, because you're keeping your income the same, keep everything else the same, you're able to save $10,000 extra per year towards your financial independence. However, there's an additional bonus. By reducing your annual expenses to $40,000 instead of $50,000, you've now gained a lower threshold at which you need to hit for financial independence. So instead of needing $1.25 million, if you use the 4% rule, you only need a million dollars to cover your annual expenses now. So not only are you saving $10,000 more per year, you're now only you now need $250,000 less total in your investment portfolio before you're able to say that you've achieved financial independence and that you can retire or do anything else that you're looking to do with your financial goals. So this is where decreased expenses kind of has that double-edged benefit where you can then save more, but also you need to save a lower total amount. So you can make a drastic improvement in the speed at which you will achieve financial independence by reducing your expenses. And this brings us to the third point, which is invest wisely. Now, invest wisely basically means you want to be making smart investment decisions. You want to invest your money in a way that it works for you. And this is basically the crux of this entire show. My primary focus on this show is to provide you with the knowledge, skills, and tools that you need to invest your money wisely. So my primary focus now and in the future is going to continue to be in providing that information to you and to helping you become a better investor. So without going into too much depth on this piece, because I talk about it in different aspects on every single one of the show, the importance of investing wisely is for your money to grow for you. You will be financially independent when you are earning money Every hour of the day, even while you're sleeping, you're earning enough money to support your lifestyle. That's what you're trying to do. When you invest $10,000 into a company and you get dividends back from that company, you have traded money for the ability to have a future income. Instead of trading your time for that future income, you can trade your money now for the future income of tomorrow. And this is absolutely key because what it really means for financial independence is that you are not financially dependent upon trading your time for money. It's not to say that you won't trade your time for money in the future. It's not to say that you can't keep working. It's not to say that you have to retire. But basically, if you're successful in this regard, you're able to invest your money in a way that it will grow. And that means that both the principal is going to grow and you're going to have dividends and you're going to have cash flow off that, which you can spend, but also that you are investing it in a way that you can protect that principal. So you're not losing your money. So the value of your investments doesn't decrease in the future. Um, This isn't to say that it can't be volatile. You know, when you invest in the stock market, or you buy individual stocks, often the face value of your investment might fluctuate. 
from day to day. It might go up, oh, now it's up $100, now it's down $200, now it's up $300. This fluctuation is normal, but the core earnings power behind the businesses that you buy, you want to make sure is growing so that your principal is protected and that if you were to take your money out 10 years from now, you're getting more money back than you put in. And that's what you're looking for. You're not looking to invest in things where the certainty is low that you'll get your money back. Because no matter how high prospective return might be, if you're uncertain that your money is going to grow over time, that can be devastating for your future financial performance because it doesn't do you any good to increase your income or decrease your expenses and save an extra $10,000 this year if 10 years from now that $10,000 is only worth $5,000. So not only did you delay gratification for 10 years to spend your $10,000, you also lost $5,000. So you didn't get to benefit from it now, and you don't get to benefit from from it in the future. And that's a lose-lose situation. What invest wisely means to me is that you can get a win-win situation where your money is working harder for you than you have to work to earn your money. Now, that's not achieved overnight, but it is possible. It is impossible. It is possible to invest wisely if you take the time to understand your investments, to understand the risks involved, and to understand the potential returns involved as well. Now, this discussion of risks brings us to our fourth point, which is avoid catastrophe. And basically, this is an all encompassing area for risk management. And I think risk management is one of those understated aspects of personal finance that people will mention but not talk about too much in that you need to think about ways to prevent bad luck to harm your lifestyle and to harm your family. Now, it is not possible to eliminate all risk in life, but it is possible to manage risk and manage the ability for chance and randomness to negatively impact your life and stuff like and along this lines is you can purchase things like insurance it's an intelligent decision to avoid catastrophe by buying home insurance if you own a house you should own house insurance on that house it's not to say that you necessarily expect Um, a hurricane to come and destroy your house or a flood to destroy your house and cause damage. But it would be a massive catastrophe if you were to save money for 10 years and save up a nest egg of $100,000 and then have a flood come and do $100,000 of damage to your house. If you don't have insurance to cover that, then basically your 10 years of savings are all wiped out. And that's a catastrophe both for the emotional trauma that you experience during that time, but also the financial trauma that it has on your long-term wealth building. One of the keys to building wealth is to not stop the compounding process. And basically, this means that you want to continuously be adding new money to your investment portfolio that will grow over time so that you can have compounding on your side. 
and what a financial catastrophe is. And there's plenty of other types of catastrophes that I'm not going to go into, but financial catastrophes are something that cause your compounding cycle to be irreparably damaged. If you get set back 5, 10, 15, or 20 years in your financial wealth building cycle, that can be devastating to the long-term outcomes that you're going to achieve in your wealth building. So you should buy the insurance that is available to protect you from predictable catastrophes. And this is stuff like your house insurance, car insurance, health insurance, disability insurance, and life insurance. These commonplace insurance policies are relatively inexpensive compared to the devastate financial devastation that they can cause if you happen to have a, a a random catastrophe hit you without the insurance in place so it is important to not focus on purely decreasing your expenses in a way that it overrides protecting yourself from catastrophe so buying life insurance term life insurance is extremely cheap for the average person that's healthy, young, and doesn't have long-term health conditions already. And it's a good idea to buy this insurance while you're young and before you develop health complications. Now, obviously, this doesn't apply for everyone, but there are many people out there who have decided that they don't need health or they don't need health insurance, they don't need life insurance because it's nothing's going to happen to them. But you never know. And the value of having a million dollar or $2 million life insurance policy is incredibly beneficial for you in the protection it gives you should something go wrong. If you have family members that are depending upon you now or in the future for your income, Having a life insurance policy in place might only cost you dozens of dollars a month, and yet it can provide millions of dollars of protection for you if something happens. And it can protect your family from just the massive financial devastation that a premature death in your family could cause. Now, obviously, that doesn't protect against emotional devastation and all the other things that come along with these catastrophes. But it's important to provide yourself with the financial protections that you can as long as they are affordable to do so. And really, this brings me to my last point on avoid catastrophe. You can't eliminate all risks. You know, even in insurance, there's a deductible to share some of that risk with the person pulling out the insurance because there's no way for you to simply eliminate all risk in life. There's always a chance that something comes along and takes you down in your journey. But you can make smart decisions along the way, whether it be insurance or whether it be eating healthy and exercising to reduce the risk of health and health problems. Um, or making smart decisions like um, not drinking too much or not smoking or doing these things that pr- like increase your health and that can reduce your future health expenses. But basically, trying to cover yourself against catastrophe means that you're trying to reduce risks where it's possible and affordable. 
and not reduce all risks that are out there. One of the risks as we talk about investing is the risk of volatility in your portfolio. Whether that means that if you're investing in stocks, there's always a risk that in any single year, your stock portfolio might decline by 50% or more. Now, it's possible to buy insurance for this through the form of put options or other means where you buy essentially portfolio insurance to protect yourself from the downside. Is it possible? Sure. But the problem with this sort of insurance is it's extremely expensive for the value that you get. The value of preventing yourself from volatility is not worth the extra expense that is required as a constant negative drag on your annual performance and your investments. So I mention this only to caution you that avoiding catastrophe doesn't override the need to invest wisely. So when you're investing your money, you can't invest in a way that's trying to protect against every single risk that's in the market. You just have to manage those risks, understand what the risks are, and find a way to either manage them internally or externally with structuring your investments in a way that you're comfortable with the risks involved. And that brings me to my last point, which is optimized lifestyle. So optimized lifestyle makes a nice catch-all for anything that doesn't go in the first four bullets of increase income, decrease expenses, invest wisely, or avoid catastrophe. Basically, it's possible to earn $100,000 a year doing a job you hate, but it's also possible to earn $100,000 a year doing a job you love. Well, optimizing your lifestyle might be well, why don't I make the decision to do a job that I love and switch from the one that you hate to the one that you love? Now, this can apply whether the income is the same. It could apply if the income is different. Um, You might have a $100,000 income at a job you hate, and there might be a $90,000 income job that you love. Well, in some cases, that might be a better decision because your overall life and your overall outcomes are likely to be better. And in that case, that's really what you need to understand with wealth building. There's not you're not building wealth for the sake of building wealth. Money is in some sense is not real. It's not as critical to you as the time and the people in your lives. And so money exists and wealth exists for the purpose of enriching your life and others. And it doesn't exist to simply compound and build a giant pile that you can count for yourself. And so there are cases where it makes sense to make a decision that does not provide the highest financial outcome. And my best example of this in my own life recently has been buying a house. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that the house that I purchased is more expensive to me in a financial manner than the apartment that I lived in before my current house. So not only is the mortgage higher cost than my apartment rent, but I now pay maintenance costs. I now have the cost of maintaining 
um, the fixtures inside the house, the light bulbs, the appliances. I had to buy new appliances, so I take on the appliance cost. My utility bills are higher. Again, this is in large part because the house is bigger than the apartment was, more square footage. Now I have a lawn that I have to maintain and I have to spend time and money purchasing lawn care equipment, purchasing the upkeep of my lawn through the time that I spend mowing the lawn and edging the lawn. And basically there are financial costs that owning a house put the overall financial cost of owning a house versus a apartment in favor of the apartment being a better financial decision. However, I would not go back and change my mind from buying this house. When I purchase a house, it is not solely a financial decision. It is also a lifestyle decision. And in this case, I think it is a personal finance decision that falls under this fifth point, optimized lifestyle. By purchasing a house, I am optimizing my lifestyle to improve it from going from an apartment to a house. My lifestyle is noticeably approved in a way that the money that I expend to do that is minuscule in comparison. And that's the framework that you're looking for when you make financial decisions that the pure mathematics don't reflect. It is possible to make decisions where you can say, hey, it is more expensive to choose this item, but that would make my life better and I am okay with the trade-off. And if that trade-off is in line with your values and your goals, then do it. That's the point of earning money. That's why you might go to work a nine-to-five job and you might work long hours and work overtime. The point is to provide the lifestyle for you and your family that you need. So if you want um, something and it is worth the money to you and it is worth the time that you have to trade to earn that money, then make the trade. Optimize your lifestyle in a way that makes the earning of the money worth the time trade-off that you make. There's no reason to spend a lot of money on something if you're not gaining value from it. But if you are gaining value from spending your money in a way that improves your life and the life of your family and the life of your community, then that can be a very positive decision. And so this final point is critical to a wealth building framework because the trap of seeking financial independence and the trap of trying to become wealthy is that you focus on wealth and money as a goal. You then, that you could become trapped in the love of money, um, which is a major problem that people can get into as they become more frugal and more interested in building wealth. So I encourage you to not let yourself be trapped with the idea that the goal of wealth building is to build wealth. The goal of building wealth is to provide you with the lifestyle that you want and to provide you with the ability to better serve your family and your community. And so I encourage you to focus on that and understand that not every personal finance decision inherently means that you are increasing your income or decreasing your expenses or investing your money wisely or avoiding catastrophe. Some personal finance decisions are doing the opposite. Maybe you're decreasing your income 
but it's you're improving your lifestyle. Maybe you're increasing your expenses, but you're improving your lifestyle. And maybe you've decided to delay investing on something for a while because by doing so, you've improved your lifestyle. These are the sorts of decisions that are critical in the lifestyle that you might have. These are decisions that everyone makes at some point in their life. And it's okay to make them. It's okay to not always choose the cheaper option. The point, though, is to understand that there's a balance to everything and that there's value to days of saving and there's value to days of spending. And that's the point of understanding optimized lifestyle. So again, this is the James, the, the, this is the Joshua Sheets framework for wealth building. If you want to listen to Joshua talk about that, I encourage you to check out his podcast at RadicalPersonalFinance.com. You can also find it in the podcast players. Again, his key points are five points, 10 words, increase income, decrease expenses, invest wisely, avoid catastrophe, and optimize lifestyle. I will be adopting this framework both within my podcast and within my website as I discuss personal finance in the future. And I encourage you to adopt it as well because I believe it is very useful in distilling the key elements that are built around wealth building. And so that wraps up what I wanted to talk about in this podcast. You can find the full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's podcast, available at diyinvesting.org episode 16. Finally, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you have gained value from today's content, please consider supporting the show financially as a patron. You can become a patron at diyinvesting.org patron. Your financial support is what allows me to continue creating this free investment content without any advertisements. If you choose to become a patron of the show, you'll receive exclusive insights into my personal investing process through the DIYinvesting.org membership program. Once again, you can find out more information at DIYinvesting.org patron or listen to episode 11 of this podcast, where I go into detail about the benefits of being a DIY investing member. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. 
DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing podcast.